Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Rock My Life, the show that brings together LGBTQ plus athletes to share their experiences of being gay in sport. My name's Christian John, and this is Rock My Life. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Rock My Life. I am super excited about this week's episode as we have the one, the only, Mr. Gareth Longley, the chairman of Manchester Village Spartans. <laughs> now, in a moment we will be hearing about his story of coming out, homophobia and his journey with the Spartans. But first, a lot of you have been messaging in about advice on being part of a rugby team committee. Now for me, when I joined, I had absolutely no intention of joining the committee. I had very little confidence and I didn't really have much of a presence in the team. Well, at that point anyway. But the more committed I got to training and matches and more importantly, the socials, my confidence grew and I soon found myself volunteering for fundraising events, helping out at the Pride March and stores. But when I lived with my best friend Andy, who was a second team captain, I started to get an insight into the different roles. So eventually the opportunity came up for the role of social secretary. I loved being part of the socials and got friendly with a lot of the bar managers over the time. So thankfully the committee allowed me to take over. I have to say to do the job properly, you do need to be organized and give up a few hours a week to meet up with key role members outside agencies like bar owners and event organizers. And although it was tough first, I soon got the hang of it and loved organizing all the club excess meals end of year celebrations, pride marches, and for those who know it, our Easter bash is the most fun of the year. Camp music, lip syncing, heels, wigs, who wouldn't? But now, I'm the fundraising and sponsorship manager, alongside being the vice captain for the second team. Although I don't have to worry about the meals and club nights, I do now have to be more mature and have had to discover what a good leader is, and also meet with businesses to discuss future sponsorship something that has proven hard to do since lockdown. But fingers crossed, the COVID lockdown will ease more and more over the summer so we can get back to rugby where the fun's at. Now, without further ado, I'm honored to introduce our guest today, Mr. Gareth Longley. Hi Gareth, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. To start with, would you like to introduce yourself and what club you are part of? Hi, I'm Gareth Longley and I'm chairman and coach at the Village Spartans. Um, I currently live in Manchester, but I'm originally from Leeds. Great, thank you. So the first thing I like to do when interviewing people is allow them to share their story of coming out, whether it's to their friends first or family and their reactions to it. It all happened quite quickly, to be honest. So I came out at um, 17 uh, to some of my really close friends um, uh, and uh, and came out to my parents not long after, probably within the the following two or three weeks. Um, I lived in a little village in the middle of nowhere, so news travelled fast um, wherever, um, wh whoever you were. So I was worried that my parents were going to hear it or my family was going to hear it from uh, one of my friends from, uh, from college. Um, so I made the decision to tell them quite early so I just about I think I just started um, my second year at uh, A-levels 
Um, and uh, I remember the night uh, vividly, um, sort of sitting my mum down and telling her, uh, it, it's something that will never, never really leave me, I don't think. Uh, but I found it quite easy, to be honest with you. Um, looking back now, anyway, it wasn't easy at the time. It was probably the hardest thing I'd ever done. Um, but looking back, I think I had it easier than my, some of my friends when I've heard their experiences. So a lot of people say that they come out to their mum first and then they seem to find it a lot more difficult to come out to their dad, certainly in most cases. Was this similar to you? Um, I was always really close to my mum and, and the night I told my parents, I, I took my, so my, my dad had taken the dog for a walk on a Sunday night just before um, uh, bed and I'd gone downstairs having sort of spoken to some of my friends online and on the phone. Um, I went downstairs into the kitchen and I said to my mum, look, I've got something to tell you, can you come and sit down? I took her into the front room and um, sat her down and she said, Gareth, I know what you're going to say. And I thought, thank God for that. I don't have to uh, tell her. She, she knows. She said, you've got someone pregnant, haven't you? And I was like, um, no, quite the opposite, in fact. And she just looked at me blankly and I was like, mum, I'm gay. Uh, and she's like, oh, OK. Um, well, uh, the only thing I've got to say about that is uh, safe sex, safe sex, safe sex. Um, and then we had this little bit of a discussion and she said, well, you know, I need to tell your dad. I can't um, keep it secret from him. Do you want to tell him yourself or do you want me to tell him? So she told him. I went back upstairs uh, while she told him. Uh, and about half an hour later, he shut me down and said, um, uh, you know, everything's fine. You're still my son. I still love you. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, who you who you love or you, who you fancy. Um, you'll always be my son um, and you've always got me. Um, and I thought that was brilliant. And then um, the next day, my dad was supposed to actually start a new job within his company and uh, uh, didn't get out of bed. Didn't get out of bed for uh, about five days. Uh, literally not out of bed to do anything other than sort of get up to the loo. Um, and I think he, he took it quite hard. Uh, but ever since then, I mean, you know, took it hard initially, my dad, I think, specifically. But ever since then, um, they've been absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and, and the more time's gone on, the more and more accepting and the more and more um, they've come to love my, my partner. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I think I'm just really, really lucky because of that, I suppose. Well, it's great to hear that you had a positive ending because a lot of people that I speak to have always said that coming out to their dad has been the harder of the two. And whether that's to do with stereotypes or just because they think that their fathers will take it harder than their mums. But it's great to hear that your ending has, has been really positive and that you've been become closer to your parents. So I want to ask now about your experience of sport when you were at that age. Were you part of any rugby team or any sports team? So I played uh, rugby union for my local uh, rugby club, Selby Rugby Club, um, from being about 13 years old all the way through to uh, the time when it went, uh, basically when I came out. So I was still playing rugby for them when I came out, but I had actually at the time, it was the off season and I had a, a back injury. Um, so I told all my friends um, and then basically told the club that I, uh, I'd, 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 I wasn't going to play anymore. Um, and they said, is it because you're gay? Uh, and I said, uh, no, it's because I'm injured, but um, is, yeah, is the fact that I'm gay an issue? And they said, absolutely not. We don't care. Um, uh, we, you know, you're a good player and we just want you to be part of the team. And that was really great. Um, and I wish I had taken them up on it now. I wish I'd have gone back and been more involved um, because I did sort of cut myself off from that. And I'd probably more of a survival mechanism just in case I did come across anybody that was, um, you know, that, that was homophobic or said anything um, that, 
you know, might have made me feel a little bit at the time. Um, uh, I was quite sensitive about everything, to be honest. So, um, uh, yeah, I wish I had gone back now. But um, I stopped playing rugby in uh, in college and I still did a lot of um, other stuff, swimming and uh, nothing in a team, though. Uh, and then, uh, then I went off to university and didn't play rugby again until I joined the Spartans. Well, it's great to hear that that rugby team did say that they were completely fine with you being gay because there's been a bit of a mixed spectrum of responses. Some people have said that their rugby teams really didn't like the idea of them being gay and some of them did, but it was more of an internal fear of going back. A little bit like you were saying about whether it was a self-defence mechanism. But during this time and as you were getting older, were you aware of any homophobia? Um, I, I suppose most people... Um, at first glance wouldn't necessarily clock me as that as being gay and 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 it, it sounds funny to say that but the vast majority of people when I tell them um, they're quite shocked um, uh, especially if I've known them for a little bit of time I never I never hide my sexuality but I don't necessarily flaunt it so unless it comes up in conversation I don't necessarily mention that I'm gay but I will talk about my boyfriend um, but I've never really seen it so much um, myself I've had a couple of homophobic uh, incidents. Uh, whilst there was a at college, actually, there was a guy um, who uh, I walked past him just after I'd come out and he he said faggot under his breath. Um, and uh, ordinarily, I would have just sort of walked on and um, uh, and just shrugged it off. But he, um, uh, that, that that particular day, I don't know what had happened, but I turned around and said, uh, what did you say? And he said said it loud in front of all of his, his mates. Said, he said, you're a faggot. And I was like, okay, I just wanted to make sure I heard, heard you right. Um, and I wanted to clock him. I wanted to lamp him, to be honest. But I walked to um, the principal of the college at that point and uh, went to them uh, and said, um, uh, if he's if basically, if he says it again, then I'm going to end up doing something that I'm going to regret. Uh, and they took action and they were actually going to expel him from the, uh, from the from the college because all of his friends backed me up. Um, and, um, and I said, I didn't want that to happen. That's not what, you know, that's not what I wanted. Uh, but that's the only real time that I've had any uh, sort of blatant homophobia to my, to, towards myself. Um, I've seen it um, towards other people, especially when I've been uh, out and around near the gay scene in Leeds. Um, uh, and I went into a, a takeaway uh, there once and there was a, a young sort of quite camp lad um, getting bullied by um, two, two, two lads and they turned around to me and said oh uh, what do you think of this fucking faggot and um, and I ended up defending him and, and, and I, you know I always do defend people when I see, and see that kind of open homophobia um, but you know luckily I've not really been um, involved in it myself personally so much. Whilst I was at university we went to the um, uh, went to the university bar on our um, our, our sort of, uh, halls area. We were a bit further out of um, Leeds than uh, than most, so we were uh, out in uh, in the sticks. But we had um, our own bar, and my boyfriend came in with me at one point, and we were just kissing. We were with all my friends, and we were kissing. And the security guard came over to me uh, and said, um, uh, "Excuse me, what are you doing?" I said, "I'm just kissing my boyfriend." And he said, "You're not allowed to do that in here." I was like, "Well, that." guy over there's kissing his girlfriend um and he's like well that's different isn't it i was like why why is it different and he's like well that's um uh, that's natural i was like are you saying that i'm natural um and he we got into an argument with a security guard um and again he um uh, my friends stuck up for me and they actually took a, they actually made a complaint to the um to the warden of the um uh, of the halls that i didn't do it myself but they they did and um uh, and this guy almost got sacked as well and he you know I think we I actually forget um, some of the things, you know, I've been out for 20 years now, so I forget some of the 
um, the things that have happened over time. And it's only when you look back and, and, and realise, actually, I've probably encountered a lot more homophobia than I actually remember. I've probably just got a rose-tinted view of what, what things are um, and, and the memories I've got because, you know, now, now, now I think about it, there's a couple of guys um, when I was walking down the street with the, the same boyfriend and they were sort of quite verbally abusive to me in, in Leeds as well. Um, I think it's probably over the last 10 years, really, maybe, that's, um, <laughs> that I've not, not had so much. So I know you mentioned that you cut yourself off from the rugby team and distanced yourself from your friendship groups that you had there. What was your friendship group reaction perhaps in high school or was it more that when you were coming out and moved to university that you started to make closer friendship groups? I, I kind of, when I went off to university, um, I had a completely different friendship group to, um, to, to the ones I had at school. And because I lived in quite a rural area, um, I was bussed off sort of 10, 10 12 miles to my um, local high school so I didn't really have that many friends from school um, when I was growing up local to me um, and the same when I was at university sorry college as well so I, I sort of kind of lost touch with some of those people um, but I, when I went to university I ended up in a, a, a halls with um, five other people five other lads uh, and and three or four of those are still my best friends to this day um, uh, they were absolutely great. I'd just come out at the time when I was, I was 18. I'd been out a year and they were absolutely amazing and they didn't sort of treat me any differently to one of the uh, to one of the lads, really. Um, uh, so, you know, no, I don't think my friends have ever changed um, uh, the way they think about me just because I'm gay. Uh, I don't I don't well, I don't believe that anyway. So during this time, were you aware of any LGBT community networks that were able to support either yourself or other people? Not saying that you necessarily needed it, but I've asked a lot of other people and some people have said that they were aware of it, but just didn't seek it out. And some people said they just didn't know that it was available. What was it like for you? I, I don't. I just. I, I, don't, I think I was probably more. Yeah, unaware of it because it, it wasn't something that I felt I needed. Um, I had a really good network of friends. Um, anyway, that I lived with, I had a good network of gay friends. Anyway, um, so I probably just didn't feel like I needed to seek out that that support from university. Um, don't get me wrong. I did. I, I think I did. I did see a um a counsellor for a different thing whilst I was at university, nothing, nothing to do with being gay. Um, so there was support there. Um, and, uh, and I think if, um, it, you know, if I was struggling with homophobia or if I was struggling to accept myself um, as a gay man, I think that's something that I could have definitely spoken to somebody uh, more professionally, like a counsellor or, you know, a, um, a, a tutor or, um, or something like that. I think that the support was there, but I just didn't really need it or seek it out. So I want to talk now about the Manchester Village Spartans. Now, being a Spartan myself for the past six, seven years, I've seen it grow tremendously. And I can imagine that when you joined, it was a completely different image. So would you be able to explain what it was like back then? Completely different. I mean, uh, we probably had regularly had um, just between 10 and 15 people down to training. Um, we were just about scraping um, a full team at that point to uh, to play on a Saturday. 
Um, I remember I joined on the Wednesday and I had uh, played my first game on, the, I think, the Saturday. Um, I think they ended up putting me on pretty much straight away because they were struggling with numbers. So we, you know, we were, we were, we were a very, very small team and, and, uh, and there weren't really that many other gay and inclusive clubs out there as well. Um, so there was us and London really in the UK and that was, uh, that was pretty much it. Um, and then, um, and then I went off to the Dublin Bingham Cup in 2008, um, and then just realised how big it was internationally, and and um, uh, and it was huge back then, and and obviously it's even bigger now. It's probably you know two or three times the size um, uh, the, the IGR, the International Gay Rugby Community, um, you know the, the, what it was, um, and it's uh, it's amazing to see really. Now, obviously, more recently, the Spartans has grown substantially and it's been amazing to see more and more people joining each year. And even more widely than that, that there are suddenly a lot more gay and inclusive rugby teams around the country, if not around the world. And I think partially to do with that is the Spartans and other um, older teams like the Steelers and, and many other teams around the country. But Obviously, there is now the development of the IGR, and I want to know your opinions on how amazing it is to be part of that group, but also how you see the growth of our club and other clubs around us as well. Um, I suppose, you know, when I first started with the Spartans back in 2007, um, social media wasn't really a thing. Uh, so it was, I suppose it felt like much more of a close-knit community then in terms of... Um, uh, being physically close to each other and seeing each other more often. Whereas nowadays, I think it's much more um, uh, or much easier to be involved in a, a an LGBT focused club like ours uh, without necessarily being there in person because you can be involved, um, you know, from, and, and, and be a supporter from the sidelines, uh, not necessarily physically from the sidelines, but, you know, on Facebook or um, Instagram or Twitter or any of the, the other channels that we um uh that we use to you know pump out information about the, the club and what we do <clears throat> um so that's one of the things that's changed more from a club perspective i suppose obviously we've got much much bigger and it's much more difficult to have those um uh uh the, i suppose those smaller um re team relationships if you will uh where we all used to uh literally everybody in the club used to go down to um to for a drink on a saturday evening whereas i think when we've got a much bigger club with different teams it's much difficult more difficult to organize that um when it comes to sort of more generally with within the sort of um the gay community and gay rugby uh, i suppose again it's it's the size the sheer size of it um i think there are probably you know three four five times as many clubs now as there were when i first started um back in 2017 um and you look at things like the international tournaments uh the bingham cup uh we hosted it in uh 2012 and i think we had about 1200 participants um and looking back at you know that's grown and grown and grown over the years to i think over two and a half three thousand people um uh you know expected to be at the one in canada um which obviously has been um put on hold until after this covid stuff uh but you know it's just sheer, sheer size of it and i think the connected connectedness of it as well i think we're much more connected and much more friendly now with um uh with even people like the steelers who were our biggest sort of rivals and there was some you know to a certain degree quite quite intense rivalry uh, to the point where we weren't really friendly with each other it was um they were the enemy 
Um, and that's changed a lot now. I think as um, as as we've got, you know, to be the um, I suppose the older, more wiser people in the rugby community, uh, ourselves and um, and the Steelers, we've grown together more as friends as well. So I know we've both mentioned before that we've seen the Spartans grow each year and it's fantastic to see that such a close community becomes bigger each time. But what I want to know is what are the challenges faced when you're trying to keep a team so successful? Uh, I think growth will happen whilst whilst there's an appetite for growth. Um, uh, you know, we've seen it in our own club where you we, we grow exponentially and then uh, things either um cap off or they they retract for a while and it's a it's a bit of a, a balancing act where you've got to try and make sure that you're being as inclusive and open and, and get as many people um onto the rugby field as possible um <coughs> whilst also still maintaining that club atmosphere and making sure that people when they do join feel like they're, they're, they're a spartan or feel like they're part of that club um and i think the growth of of, of teams um it's only a good thing, really. I mean, if you look at um, when I first joined, there were no other gay clubs in the north of England. Uh, it was us, London, and I think Cardiff um, and Newcastle. Um, but in the north, within an hour or two hours of where we um, lived in Manchester, there was not really anybody that we could play against from a from another, another gay team perspective. Um, but we were, you know, we, we helped as a club. We helped set up some of the other... Uh, IGR clubs out there so you know we've had, had a hand in uh, setting up many of the clubs in the north um, uh, in one way shape or form whether that's through offering training or whatever um, and it's great to then play against these teams that are coming up and um, uh, and and fielding people that you know would would probably never have been involved in the Spartans because it was too far for them to travel uh, and you just look at the northwest we've now got Chester we've got Liverpool we've got ourselves obviously um, we've got the Typhoons in Preston. Uh, then, you know, on the other side of the Pennines, we've got Sheffield, Leeds, um, Hull's just uh, popped up. Um, you know, it's great that we've got all of those um, gay teams on our doorstep and we're able to play against each other and um, and grow our sport. Um, and I think that's the, the main thing for me. Um, you know, it's not necessarily about being gay. Um, I love rugby and I love being part of the Spartans. And, and obviously being gay is a big part of that. But we do... Um, we do have plenty of Spartans who are straight, and um, and for me, these pe- these are people that probably a lot of the time wouldn't necessarily be involved in rugby um, in these gay teams or these gay inclusive teams. Um, you know, they they might have drifted away, and 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 we're here keeping them part of this sport. And and, and gay and inclusive rugby clubs are growing, whereas um, other other more mainstream rugby clubs, unfortunately, are, are starting to uh, to drop numbers. And and uh, you know you you don't have you know a first, second, third, and fourth team in a lot of um, uh, mainstream rugby clubs anymore. You've only got a ones and a twos and a threes because um, they you know they can't keep the numbers down. And going back to when you said that at the time. The Manchester Village Spartans were the only kind of gay team in the north, um, other than the Newcastle way up north. But since then, I've noticed that as these other teams have developed, like in Chester and Liverpool and the, and the Typhoons in Lancashire, some of their players did used to travel to us. But then as their teams developed, they separated themselves from the Spartans and then started to train with their local teams. Would you say this is a good thing to have happened? 
Um, do you know what? I think when 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 these teams first started uh, popping up, I think there probably was a bit more of a worry um, uh, because we did have some people that were travelling from those places. We've we've had people who've travelled from Chester. We've had people who've travelled from Preston and from Liverpool to to play for the Spartans. Um, but that was back in the days when we were really struggling to to get a, a, you know one team out. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, we've grown. And, and look, I think you know. I think with what what's the old um, adage? Um, a, a rising tide um, uh, raises all ships, or something like that. And, and I think that's quite true. Um, you know, if there's much more interest from people all across the northwest, that can only really be a good thing. And we can only compete with people with other teams um, uh, if there's somebody to compete with. Uh, you know, there's no point in us being sat here in our on our pedestal, the only gay. An inclusive rugby team up in the northwest because um, that doesn't really help anybody uh, apart from the Spartans, um, and then we've got nobody to play against locally. So apart from other um, regular mainstream clubs, so you know I think um, I think it's a good thing, and um, uh, and although there's going to be competition for players, I think it's great that um, as a as a community more generally, um, the IGR community, we do when people do move from one city to another. It's easy for them to, to to get that ready-made group of friends because they can move from the Manchester Village Spartans to play for um, the Kings Cross Steelers, or they can move from uh, you know the, the the Lancashire Typhoons if they move to Sheffield uh, and join that team. So you know that there's um, that community's there, and I think it's only uh, only a good thing um, at this stage. I think if we had um, you know a, a gay rugby team set up in Salford and one set up in tame side and one set up in um uh, in altringham then i think that might be more of an issue because we'd be we would be fishing you know from the same pond but manchester's a big place you know we've got plenty of people uh, in in our city to be able to uh, manage a, uh, a successful rugby club without having to worry about um other towns and cities uh, who are setting up clubs as well Now, my favourite part of each interview is where I get to ask people to share their experiences of going on tours like the amazing Bingham Cup tours and the Union Cup tours. Can you share your fondest memories of those? Some of my best life memories have been on rugby tour with the Spartans. And um, I don't think there's anything you can say to um, to put into words the first time you ever uh, go on tour or you know, it's not necessarily the first time it's every time and um, it's always brilliant it's exhausting um, it's absolutely draining uh, you will come home from that four five six days away and you will be the most the most tired you've ever been in your life but you will have so much fun um, during those three or four days um, uh, and uh, you know some of the best friendships I've got now have, have been forged and um, uh, and I suppose sculpted from being on those tours and being in such close quarters with people, and um, and I think the thing is when you when you're away, you know it's it's exciting anyway. But when you're playing in a in a in a tournament where you've got a really good chance of winning, and you put your life sorry not your life but you put your body on the line for your fellow teammates, you know that brings you so close. Um, and especially when you're sharing a room with them or you know bunking in with you know four or five different uh, lads to try and save money. You know, it just, um, it just, it, it just, it's just brilliant. Uh, it really is. I can't, I can't put into specific words what it's, what it's like, but it is, um, it's, you know, some of the best memories of my life. Now, around about this time, we normally have a AGM and a lot of 
Clubs around the country and the world have already had theirs, but because of COVID-19, it's been quite difficult. I've seen some teams have done it over Zoom or online virtual AGMs, and it's been great to see that some people that even on these podcasts have now become part of the committee. So I caught up with Gaz again after this recording and asked him about his role and his responsibilities and also any advice that he would give to anybody new that wanted to try and join their committee. So my main role as chairman is to provide vision and leadership to the club uh, and work alongside all of the other committee and executive team uh, to ensure that the club um, is run uh, from a uh, legally compliant uh, and safe point of view. Um, Ultimately, it's my responsibility to arrange and chair meetings uh, and they include sort of regular committee meetings, uh, directors meetings, subcommittee meetings, the annual general meeting and any uh, emergency general meetings that might need to be um, uh, might need to be carried out as well. Uh, I suppose it's uh, more of a strategic role uh, but it is quite hands-on as well in terms of working with other people um, and uh, and really just um, uh, ensuring that the committee and executive teams are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, uh, from a um, uh, from a committee point of view, I'd certainly say it's really worthwhile getting involved in your committee if you can. Um, I got involved um, about 12 years or so ago uh, after being injured and not being able to play uh, rugby anymore. So um, I started off as PR and comms uh, and then ended up being a director and then the chairman of the club. Um, and I think it's a really, really rewarding thing to do, um, either as alongside your um, your playing career or um, as an addition to that uh, if you're unable to play. Um, I think it really does give you lots of skills and experience that you can take with you um, and not just using rugby but also using them in your general work life. So finally I want to ask have you got any advice for somebody who might want to join an IGR team but might not have the know-how or the confidence to do so? Seek us out, um, seek your local um, rugby club out, your gay rugby club, you know at the end of the day um, you will not make better friends than you will do in a uh, in a rugby club I, I really believe that um and for the for the reasons i said before you know you, you literally put your body on the line for these people um and um and there's a place for everybody in in rugby um so do it come out um you know if you don't want to come out to everybody come and join the spartans come and get a group of friends um come and uh, get some experience of, of playing in a team sport where you really really do feel um, like a member of a, a, a much wider community. Um, and, and don't be scared, you know, uh, it, it is scary. Coming out is a scary, scary thing, um, especially when you don't know what's going to happen um, and how people are going to perceive you. Um, and But for every person, it's different. And um, I would not be in the position I am today in my personal life, uh, in my professional life, uh, and just um, in my life in general, if I'm not joined the Spartans, and I really, really do believe that, you know, I don't think I'd be anywhere near as happy and successful and driven as I am today if it hadn't been for this rugby club. So find us out and join and it will be the best thing you ever do. Well, listen, thank you so much, Gaz, for sharing your story. And for those listening, I really hope that it means something to you, whether it helps you come out, whether it helps you join an IGR team or perhaps even becoming part of the committee meeting. Who knows? But again, just a huge thank you for giving up your time for this podcast. And I can't wait to get back to training and meeting up with you guys again.
Now, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you that have messaged in saying that you've been voting for this podcast to be part of the BBC Listener's Choice Award. I'm so grateful for something that was simply an idea a couple of weeks ago and it has just grown exponentially since then. And I'm so, so grateful for everybody taking up their time to do this with me. So if you haven't already, please vote. Click on to www.bbcpodcastawards forward slash vote and then look for Rock My Life podcast in the drop down menu. Then you will get an email from them and you will need to confirm it just to make sure that you are a real person and not some robot. But I just want to say again, if you want to contact us, if you want to share your story or simply just comment some positive feedback on any of the podcasts, you can now use our email address, which is info at rockmylifepodcast.com. Well, that's all we've got time for on this week's episode of Rock My Life podcast. Thank you so much to Gareth Longley for sharing his story of coming out and being part of the amazing Manchester Village Spartans. So good luck to them and to him as well. I've been Christian John and this is Rock My Life.